welcome to the Courtside Hoops podcast with Reg and Buckets. Uh, I'm Reg and I'm joined by Buckets on this Sunday evening. Buckets, how are you? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm good, I'm good. How, uh, how's your weekend? Yeah, very nice down here. We've had uh, really nice weather, which has been great. So I've been out in the yard and doing some digging of the new basketball court to get a start on that. So hopefully the big machines will be coming in soon. Just uh, waiting to hear back. How was yours? Yeah, good, good. Uh, pretty pretty warm here too, actually. I uh, got on the ocean for the first time yesterday, caught some waves. It was uh, still cold enough to take your breath away, but... Uh, <laughs> It's uh, yeah, it was awesome to be back in the in the water, and it was just it was one of those sort of calm ocean days where the, the water was just clean, and it was just uh, it was just a ripper. So um, I'm looking forward to, much like you, I'm looking forward to the the warm uh, months ahead, um, which which I'm sure uh, your fiance is not looking forward to. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. We're, we're very much on the opposite ends of the scale in that respect. <laughs> um. We had, a, we had a basketball game yesterday, um, game two, uh, Lakers got up again, um, I might, uh, I might like the last episode, uh, throw to you to give us a spiel on, on the game. Yeah, so obviously it was going to be a, a monumental task for, for the Miami Heat um, to win this series and then they went and uh, lost two of their best players in, in Goran Dragic and Bam Adebayo to injury after game one, so... Going into game two without those two guys, it really um, almost made it impossible for, for Miami to be competitive in the game. Um, game started out, uh, as you would sort of expect. Um, again, I, I was, I'm impressed with Miami's fighting spirit. Um, they're, they're not conceding, they're not rolling over. Um, but you could just tell from the first quarter that it, it didn't really matter what Miami did. Lakers had an answer for it. Whatever they tried, the Lakers just um, would would pick apart. They started in man, um, and they they really went to work um, by exploiting guys like Duncan Robertson and Tyler Hero on the perimeter. And if they didn't do that, then they went and exploited guys like Myers Leonard and Ke- Kelly Olynyk in the in the low post. So, yeah, it's just. You feel for Miami because they're just overmatched in almost every position now, um, especially losing those two guys. Um, they sort of kept themselves around the mark, but then in the third quarter, Anthony Davis just really took over. I think he scored 13 straight points um, at one stage there. Um, they were getting offensive rebounds at will. They were scoring in in um, in the on the inside at will. They they shot, I think, a Laker record of 47 threes which is indicative to the amount of zone that Miami played which they obviously have to do because they were just getting picked apart in the mismatches when they were playing man but when you're playing a zone defense and you've got guys like Anthony Davis and LeBron James and guys as smart as Rondo they just picked it apart and were just getting buckets at, at will um, I thought Miami you know, they, they fought it out in the second half and, and the Lakers defensively really just um, you know, they, there was a lot of miscommunications and a lot of missed assignments on the defensive end for the Lakers, um, which allowed Miami to bring it back to about ten points there for most of the second half. But you you were just never worried, um, even though it was a ten point game for a long stretch. There was just you knew that 
they were never going to be able to make up the difference. And if it got any closer, the Lakers would just tighten things up on the defensive end. But they were just getting whatever they wanted offensively, so it didn't really matter. Um, so that was really the story of game two. Yeah, it was... Um, it's sort of... I think you're right. I think, yeah, Miami were definitely better than game one. There's no doubt about that. Um, they, they were... Um, much more competitive um, although there was sort of a moment um, where it looked like it potentially could blow out again um, and then um, you know they sort of got, got a, went on a little run of their own to sort of respond um, I guess uh, what, what did you think about the, the adjustments that Miami did make from game one to game two um, was there anything that sort of stood out to you or, or do you think they just tried to stick with their sort of similar game plan but just executed a bit better yeah, so in terms of adjustments, it was hard for them. Um, there wasn't a lot they could do once you lose. Like, if you're going to lose your leading scorer plus your best defensive anchor, you know, it, you, they were limited in what they could adjust already, and then they lose those two guys. So, you know, you're even more limited. But um, I think they played with more force. They played with more aggression. They played with more fight, and especially Jimmy Butler. Like, I, I'm... You know, we, we've talked about how much we love the type of player is he is and the mindset that he has and the way he goes about it. Um, you know, he's just he's just fighting. He's just doing whatever he can. You know, he had a career high twelve assists. Um, you know, he was attacking the basket, getting to the free throw line, just really doing all he can, knowing that you know they they're so overmatched and they have to be near perfect just to be competitive in this um, series. So. I like that, you know, he, he's not giving up. Like, I think he played 45 or 46 minutes. You know, he's leaving it all out there. Um, but it's just a David versus Goliath type of matchup at the moment. Um, they, they made the adjustment of playing a lot more zone um, and trying to, I guess, bait the Lakers into taking a lot of threes, um, which, you know, 47 three-point attempts suggest that... Um, they got what they wanted from that, but unfortunately, the Lakers having three guys like Rondo, Anthony Davis, and LeBron, who are so smart, they just picked it apart. Once they went to almost exclusively a zone defense, all the, all they would do is instead of because in the first first half they shot twenty seven threes, um, and what they did is then they got Rondo or LeBron or Anthony Davis to get to the middle of the zone at the foul line. They would get the ball into them and then get either um, the other guys to play in the dunker's spot on the baseline. Um, and once they did that in the second half, it, yeah, it was just a procession to, to points in the paint, really. Um, and what can you do? You, you're trying to take away one thing because they're exploiting your mismatches when you're in a man defense. So you go to a zone and then they're just picking you apart by getting the ball into the middle of the zone and then just dumping it down for easy layups. And, you know, it, that's very difficult to combat because once they picked up that Rondo was going to that position, they then switched it and LeBron went to that position. And then when they picked up on LeBron going to that position, they sent Anthony Davis to that position. So, you know, what do you do? You know, every time the Miami Heat asked a question of the Lakers, they had answers for it. And that's all you can do if you're, if you're the Miami Heat is to try to make them uncomfortable, make them make adjustments, make them answer the questions. But if they're able to answer them every single time, they're going to win the game. Yeah, I, I did love the way that, um, that like you mentioned, that the Miami Heat tended to 
and tried to play through Jimmy more. And I think that's a smart move, obviously, with, with Goran being out and being, you know, a player who, who um, player makes for others. You know, Jimmy had a career high in assists, which is great. Um, my, my, I think my, um, my worry for, for Miami is, um, I mean, they're, they're clearly outmatched. That's just what it is, as you, you've spoken about. They, they might fix one thing, but then... You know, the, the Lakers have the, the firepower to, um, to to dominate in another area or, or another guy starts to step up and things like that. Um, I, I actually thought that Miami didn't play that bad and that's sort of the worrying thing. You know, you still lose by 10 and you actually play pretty well. Like, um, I know afterwards they spoke about having to play harder and things like that, but at what point does it become just an unrealistic expectation? Um, like Spo and Jimmy, again, spoke very well after the game. Um, you know, still still had that sort of um, supreme confidence that we've come to know with Miami. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people say it's, um, you know, it's it's because they have to say that, and there's probably an element of that as well. Um, you're not going to say, "Oh, we're out of this," you know, particularly when you're leaders of of the team. Um, but I, I like the way that um, you know Spo was even like, you know, Jim, Jimmy was brilliant, but he's just got to go that next level. Everyone's just got to go that next level, and. That, that that's just the way it is. There's there's no excuses. There's no way around it. If we don't, you know, as as we've said, play a near perfect basketball game, this is going to be over very very quickly. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 getting to that point to me, for me now where you know I didn't want to overreact after game one, but now it's like how does Miami get a game in this series? Um, and on the flip side, I loved um, uh, someone sent me a clip of uh, Frank Vogel talking after the game and he said um, uh, you know LeBron and, and Rondo you had uh, combined 19 assists for one turnover you know brilliant you looked after the ball you found your teammates etc etc and then he just turns to AD and says AD you're just a beast just just keep doing you like it was just it was yeah it was perfect the way the way he explained you know what worked so well for them um, was just unreal and I wanted to get your your views on um, on Rondo um, as as a player. Um, I, I I'll admit I didn't really like him early in his career in his Boston days, um, but he's really really grown on me in terms of. I thought he was a bit all about himself, but I, I quite now have uh, the opposite view um, that I think he's he's great for um, uh, for, for the Lakers. And I in his uh, in his post game he said something awesome when he said he tells AD before every game go out there and score seventy five points. He's he's come up short a couple of times, but uh, you know, like to have to, to have a guy who who wants his teammates to go out there and and score all the points if they can. Like that's pretty pretty rare because most guys themselves want to be you know that guy. Um, they don't want to be telling somebody else to be that guy. So, um, what's your thoughts on on uh, playoff Rondo? Yeah, and he hates that nickname um, too. So he does. Uh, for some reason, I'm not sure why, but um, yeah, look, there's been a knock on him that is similar to Jimmy Butler in terms of being a difficult teammate and, and things of that nature um, throughout his career, and that's why he's bounced around a few different teams. Um, but I think the challenging thing for Rondo and being Rondo's teammate or even Rondo's coach is you can see the basketball IQ, you can see how well he sees the game, how well he can control the game. Um, so if you're playing with other players or being coached by someone that you don't feel knows the game as well as you or you're playing with players that aren't necessarily either putting in the work or 
um, are, are about the right things in terms of wanting to win at all costs for rather than building your brand or making money or getting followers on Instagram. I think that's where, you know, some of the animosity towards a guy like Rondo would come because you can see he's, he's all business in terms of wanting to win and he's such a good playmaker and such a good controller of the game, you know, if you're going against that, he's he's going to be looking at you and thinking, well, I know the game better than you, and you're going to have that friction between coach and player or player and player. Um, in terms of his play during this, since he's come back into the bubble, you, you've basically got, obviously on the offensive end, he's nowhere near what LeBron is, um, but in terms of being able to send LeBron to the bench and have a guy that is able to manipulate the defense of the other team um, and just seek out mismatches and control an offense and get your team good looks every single time down the floor, it, that's, it's been invaluable. Because one of the hardest things for LeBron when he was in Cleveland is he would play so well and then go to the bench and they would go from being up four to being down 12 because there wasn't another guy to come in and either just hold the lead or run the offense. Whereas now LeBron goes to the bench and the guy running the show is just as good and just as smart. So they're just picking everyone apart. And as I said, when they went to that zone, they send Rondo to the middle of it, who's so smart that just makes the right right play. Then when they picked up on that, they can then send LeBron, who gets it, makes the right play. Like, having those guys, it, it makes it near impossible to make mistakes yourself because you know they're not going to be making very many mistakes on their side of the floor because they've got two guys that are probably the two smartest basketball players in the NBA right now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think I think you hit the nail on the head, and I think he's the kind of guy who you could see being a really good head coach one day, um, because he has that that mind of you know um, we score, you know team first. I want to set up my guys. Like he always talks about, I want to I want to set up these guys, and and he keeps to his credit, he keeps getting um, praise for you know moving his way up the all time assist um, uh, leaders in in the playoffs. And it's always, well, I, I can't do that without my teammates. Like, an assist is not an assist unless they make the basket. Um, but he went on a run, I think it was the end of the second quarter, where it was like, that, like Rondo's killing them now. Like, he was driving to the ring, he was doing those uh, up-and-under passes to AD for easy dunks, and it was just like, wow. That, you know, you, as we've spoken about, if, you, if you're going to let LeBron and AD have theirs, you've got to shut everyone else down. And they just, they haven't been able to do it. And I love the way Rondo, after the game, said, you know, that the Miami's sort of... Um, bench mantra I guess is to outplay Miami's bench that's how they that's how they sort of judge themselves you know we're, we're usually bench versus bench you know we play similar minutes um, during the game and and that's how we you know measure um, uh, you know how how, um, how we sort of perform on a game basis by you know what what it looks like when it's bench versus bench I love that that mindset for a guy off the bench because you're not saying I need to go out there and score this and score that and blah blah it's it's grouping yourself with the other guys off the bench and being like, whilst we're out there, we need to hold our own or, or even one step further, we need to win. So when the starters come back, it's just even easier for them. You know, they can just go straight back to, to where they were. Um, can Miami win a game in this series? They've only got one way they can win a game 
out outside of, of the obvious of you know, uh, catastrophic injuries to, to the Lakers, they just have to launch threes. They have to take a, a page out of D'Antoni's book and just get up 50, 60 threes and hope they make 50% of them. You know, especially, you know, even if Bam and Goran come back, like they, was, they were down 30 with those guys in the game in game one. Um, so if they don't come back, um, you know, it's even harder. But even if they do come back, it, we we said at the start of the series that LeBron and AD had to be every bit the superstars that they are to win this series. And they're doing exactly that, um, if not more. Like, you, you could make the argument that Anthony Davis is playing career-best basketball um, in the first two games. And you couple that with, as we just spoke about, the play of Rondo. You couple that with the play of Dwight Howard. Um, obviously, game one, they shot the lights out from the perimeter. Um, you know, being able to win in so many different ways, even though Miami's trying to make the adjustments, the Lakers have answers to every adjustment they make. And on the defensive side of the floor, they can shut every one of their players down. So for me, the only way that they can win a game um, with the form that the Lakers are in at the moment is if they just shoot lights out from three and shoot a lot of them because they're just the the height of the Lakers is just absolutely murdering them. So they're gonna they're gonna get plenty of two point baskets and easy baskets just through sheer height and talent down low. So they have to be able to shoot a lot of threes and get those extra points. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I. I... I just can't see any other way that they can do it. And, I mean, they had double the free throw attempts as the Lakers in this game. Normally, if you have, you know, 34, 34 versus 17, you're going to be in a pretty good position to win the game. They still lost by 10. Like, you know, imagine if that was more even, then it's suddenly 20-point difference. Like, they're just, I mean, they're, they're fighting an uphill battle, but it just seems to be getting, like, it gets to that point where is it, is, are these two teams just so, like, are the, are the Heat just so outmatched? that they can play a near-perfect game and it's still not be enough. You know what I mean? Like, we spoke about them playing a perfect game and and even that might not be enough. Like, the, the way the yeah. Lakers are playing, the, the amount of focus they have, the amount of talent they have, there's so many ways they can beat you. I mean, um, Danny Green was like one of eight from deep and, and KCP was like two of 12 or something, two of 11 or something. Like, yeah. they're two key pieces who had terrible shooting nights and you still win by 10. Like... They're the kind of moments that you have to try and take advantage of when guys aren't, you know, aren't playing um, that well, and they just they just can't seem to do it. And it's 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 hard because you can see they're trying, like it's mm. not from a lack of trying. And I know UD um, it sort of exploded on them, and they they came out and had a bit of a run. Um, but you know, as, as Jimmy said, you know, like, we we just got to play harder. But I I feel for them because I feel like they are playing hard. They're just you know it's. And this happens in sports sometimes. You've just got two teams and one's just the better team. And over a seven-game series, as we know, the better team usually usually wins. Um, and if it was a, sort of a, one, a one-off game, you know, you might be, oh, they might be a chance. They might shoot the lights out and things like that. But over a seven-game series, it's it's just not looking good. <laughs> it's no. not looking good. No, it, it, it's, it's similar to those series that we've seen, um, 2018, Golden State, Cleveland. That Cleveland team was LeBron and a bunch of scrubs. Um, there was 2007, LeBron was on the other side. Everyone knew that that San Antonio team was just 
far better than than that Cleveland team. You've got the 2012, um, 2002 Lakers versus New Jersey Nets. You know, you just have these, you know, series sometimes where one team is just so much better, and if their best players and they as a team are playing their best basketball, then you're it is impossible. Like. Miami right now as constructed without Goran and Bam and even probably with those guys even if they play the perfect game the form that the Lakers are playing because they're playing near their best basketball of the year that still won't be enough they need to play their absolute best and they need the Lakers to drop down to probably 70% of their capability to be in the game because even though the, the margin was only 10 points it was an easy 10 like it was never it was never in doubt it was never I was never worried and as I said going like I'm stressed every time because I want LeBron to win but throughout that whole game I was never really worried because it's just so easy for the Lakers which is you you don't want to sound disrespectful but if Miami miss a shot they're not getting a rebound and then on the flip side the Lakers they could miss three or four shots and they they can easily get four or five offensive rebounds in the in the one set without too much drama because they're just so much bigger, so much more talented, and they're playing really good basketball. Like Anthony Davis nearly didn't miss a shot, and it was just I know he's a superstar talent, but it was just so easy for him. Yeah, I completely agree. And the other thing that I forgot to mention when I was talking about the um, the free throw difference was you got twenty four points from Kelly Olynyk. Yeah, this was one of those games where, you know, it might go down in... Sometimes these things happen in history and it goes down as the Kelly Olynyk game, you know, where he killed it. And But even that still wasn't enough. You know what I mean? Like, there were, there were so many things going right for Miami, but there was just so many things still going right for the Lakers. And you're right, it's such a big difference that not only do you need to pay, play perfect, you need them to play less than their best yes. to, to, be, to be a chance. Um, I guess one of the, the interesting... Um, topics that, that will come of this and that, that seem to be getting most attention um, on social media now that, that, that most people believe the result is a, is a foregone conclusion um, is who wins MVP of the, uh, of the finals? Who's, who would be your pick? And I know uh, the obvious answer for you is LeBron. <laughs> um, but yeah, what do you think? Yeah, it's very close. Um, and I've been thinking about this over the last few days um, well obviously after game two um, but it's almost a flip of the coin at the moment like you you can you can make a genuine argument for both of them um, you know offensively Anthony Davis is just being a beast um, you can you know you can contribute that a bit to the matchups um, you know, Bam obviously didn't play the second half of game one and then didn't play at all game two. So, you know, he's got a fair advantage on that side of things, but you still got to put the ball in the hole. He's shooting um, a great percentage, um, rebounding the ball, doing all that. LeBron, um, I'd probably say Anthony Day was, was the best player in game one. LeBron was the best player in game two. Um just because of the, the playmaking ability and the control of the game, um, he just does a little bit more on that side of it. But it's very close. Very, very close. Um, at the moment, I would give the nod to LeBron just based on 
history because it's it's still vote. Is it the MVP still voted by media members? Isn't it? I think uh, so. Yeah, yeah. I think there's about sixteen or seventeen people that vote for it. So yep. I think a portion of those, you know, will be around the um, narrative side of things of LeBron being at his third team, third champion, uh, fourth championship, fourth MVP. But then there could be a portion that you know the same ones that don't want to vote for him for MVP, so they'll vote for Anthony Davis, um, which, as I said, you can make a very good argument that you know, he was the MVP, or is the MVP up until this point. Um, we'll see what happens over the next two games, but it, it's very, very close. Um, similar to probably Jordan and Pippen in 96 and 97, I think the other four championships, it was clearly Jordan was, was the best player. Um, but certainly in 96 and 97, um, an argument can be made that, you know, Scotty played very well as well. Um, so yeah, it'll be, be interesting to see what happens in the next two games. Um, if it continues the way it's going where they're neck and neck, I think it will just come down to the narrative side of things. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree. Flip of, flip of a coin for me. Um, Put it this way: If say that the um, this series ended now and either one of them got it, I wouldn't be disappointed. <laughs> yeah. Um, if they both got it, it, would be fantastic, you know. Because, like, because <laughs> I, I must admit, a few a few pods back now, I was talking about um, the different categories of, of players in the league and how superstar gets thrown around too much. Um, and I I really only had um, LeBron and KD in, in that category, um, but I've thought about it a little bit more and. Uh, there probably is a few more that I, that I think could be in there. Um, and then I thought further about, well, say, who's the top 10 players in the league? Who's the top five players in the league? And prior to, prior to I guess, um, watching more of AD, I probably wouldn't have had him top five, but I would have had him pretty close. Whereas, like, to me now, he's there. And I think this, this year is, like, the coming out party. Um, I, I think going forward, he's going to be a monster. Like, he, he's, he's best few years of his career are right in, right in front of him and that's that's going to be awesome to watch um, I'd probably give the nod to LeBron um, not not so much for the narrative but more for the matchup side of things that AD has had the benefit of um, well Bam obviously missing game 2 um, he was sort of a young, inexperienced guy in game one. Although AD was too, he's a little bit more into his career. Um, so I'd probably give it to to LeBron just just to try and you know look at the pros and cons of either player. Um, but gee, it's going to be it's it's going to be one of the interesting things I think going forward. You know, if if the the games keep going as they are and the result, uh, you know, is, is going to be that Miami win it, it's probably going to be. <laughs> A, a closer debate than you know most of the, the usual things around this time in, in terms of um, you know who's going to win the title, um, and I guarantee you there's 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 probably people out there who are hoping that AD will get it so that they can use it against LeBron, um, because that's the world that we live in. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I'm not going to mention the biggest biggest person involved in that because I feel like we give him way too much airtime, but there's, there's definitely. <laughs> There's definitely a handful who, who tend to look for those sorts of things and would definitely, definitely, definitely use that in the in the um, greatest of all time debate, which which again will stir up, um, already has stirred up and will continue to stir up if the Lakers do go on and win this title. Yeah, that's right. Um, and you spot on there, there's going to be portions of people hoping. And even if Anthony Davis doesn't win it, 
Um, there will be people that will say, you know, he was the better player and LeBron shouldn't have won it and um, all that. But yeah, they're they're both neck and neck. And as a as a fan of the game um, and someone that wants the Lakers to win for LeBron to get his fourth championship. You know, you just love to see the best players playing their absolute best on the biggest biggest stage. So I think um, at the moment they're probably right there 50-50 in the next two games um, because I think we all we all suspect it's going to be a four-game sweep. Um, so the next two games um, will be interesting to see if one you know is able to pull away from the other. Um, it will really, I think that's what it will come down to: one having a standout game and the other one having a, a not so. Because at the moment, you know, Anthony was the best in game one, and then LeBron was the best in in game two. So, and it's funny that you you, you spoke about narrative because I feel like that can work both ways. Um, some voters like to like to get a bit of voters fatigue. Um, we've seen it with regular season MVP. Um, so that could almost play against LeBron if they are neck and neck. Yes. Or on the flip side, as you mentioned, third team, year 17, you know, that, that plays in his favour. So it would almost be like when people write down who they vote for, you'd like them to write down why so that you can yeah. see, you know, what they take into consideration. Because um, I reckon that would be interesting to see, well, why do you have that view um, not just that you're clicking a button to say, I choose this person <laughs> over that person. Um, yeah, I, I, I must admit, someone asked me today um, if I was sort of disappointed by the by the finals thus far. And it's not so much the result as it is the fact that, that Bam and, and Goran aren't playing. Uh, because you want to see the, the two teams at their absolute best. Um, I know, look, I know people will, will already use that against um, LeBron because that's just what people do. Well, he beat a team that was, you know, depleted and blah, blah, blah. But... That's not his fault. You can only go against who, who's in front of you. Um, but I guess you, you wanted to see Goran and, and Bam go at it, even if it was still a four-game sweep, because then you go, okay, they're the best of both teams. Um, and it sort of gives you... This, the other flip side of that is it, it sort of shows you what's to come with Miami. At the moment, we're sort of a bit unsure. I mean, Goran's sort of at the other end of his career to Bam, who's early in his career. So, um, and, and then, obviously, the, the, the heart... Ache, I guess, for a guy like Goran, who is at that stage of his career, is this his only chance? Does he have another chance? You know, and that's that's always a hard thing in sports when a guy works so hard to, to get that opportunity, which they all keep talking about. They're just gutted for him because he, he wants to be out there. Um, and I've noticed that both Goran and Bam are again listed doubtful for, for Game Three, which I was really hoping at least Bam would be back. Um, and obviously, there's still a chance, but. You know, when, when they're listed as questionable, you can, you can almost go more likely than not they'll be a yes. But when they're listed as doubtful, it's it's usually a surprise if they do go, um, which which is disappointing. Uh, and I guess the other side of it is that, I mean, Miami look uh, not Miami uh, Lakers seem so locked in. Otherwise, you'd kind of you know there, there could be that option where they take their foot off the gas a little bit because they're like we are too, and that that would then open the door, I guess, for for Miami to come in and have a win. But their their focus is on another level that. I just, I just can't see Miami win the game, unfortunately. No, and I think the bubble has had its challenges, but I think that's one thing that's working in, in the Lakers' favour in terms of closing this out. Um, obviously, we've got the Kobe Bryant um, thing that's always being mentioned, that they want to win the championship in honour of Kobe, and then you've got the bubble where I think they all want to get home and, and get back to a bit of normal life with their family and their friends. 
So I, if it was a normal series, then you would always think complacency would, would come in, especially you'd be travelling, so you'd probably mail in one of the next one or two games if, you, if you're travelling to Miami. Um, whereas I think they're just... They, they don't want to play any more games than they have to. They want to win this championship for Kobe. So I don't think there'll be any complacency whatsoever. Um, and that just is trouble for Miami because a locked-in Lakers team with that talent, there's just there's no real chance for, for Miami. So, yeah, I think, I think it's two more games and um, we'll have a new NBA champion. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. And then hopefully we can get back to normality for, for next season. and. <laughs> Things like travel and home court advantage and things like that will, will play a factor again. Uh, because you're right, I think this, this environment uh, is not helping Miami in any way, shape or form. I'm sure they'd love to be going home right now to have their fans you know, behind them and give them a little bit more, um, you know, sort of be that sixth man like they often talk about with a, with a good home court advantage, but they're not going to get that and, and they're, they're limping to the finish line at the moment. So, yeah, it's... Uh, it's, it's it hasn't lived up to what we were hoping it was going to be at the moment. No, and, and unfortunately, all the way up until the the NBA finals were were amazing. Um, but yeah, now we've just it's just one of those things when you've got an Eastern and a Western Conference um, and the setup that it is, these things can happen where one side, the team that comes out, and it's also a matchup thing. Um, yeah. You know, being so thin up top. Um, when you've got a guy like Anthony Davis, it was always going to be a tough matchup. Um, and we spoke about um, a guy like Andre Iguodala being able to um, take has done a reasonable job on LeBron in the past, but the the difference between those two now is, is considerable. You can see Andre is, is very much on his last legs. He just doesn't have the same juice that he used to have, and, and LeBron is is arguably playing at the top of his game. So the gap between those two is huge. So it's a, it's, it's a terrible matchup. Injuries on top of that with a locked-in team with two superstars that are playing the best basketball of the season. It's just a recipe for a four-game sweep. Yeah, com- completely agree. And I must admit, as, a, as someone who's watched Jimmy uh, throughout his entire career, this is the best that I've seen him play. Um, and, and even that's not enough. So, <laughs> you know, it's not like he's been playing poor and maybe if he, you know, can, can play better. And, and the thing is that Jimmy's game is not... He's not a 40-point scorer. Um, you know, he's in early 20s, um, but, but, you know, affects the game in, in so many ways. But he's not that sort of volume scorer. So people are saying, well, he needs to be more aggressive and things like that. It's, it's not really him, and I think if he forces that too much, it's gonna, they're actually going to be worse yes. uh, because he's going to have to play outside of, of what he's good at, um, and that'll take away from other guys who, um, yeah, like your Tyler Heroes and that, who whose sort of first um, or mentality is to score first. You know, that's that's the way that they play the game. So, yeah, I don't really buy into into that. You know, that Jimmy needs to come out and score forty, and if he does, I, I think they'll lose by twenty. You know, because it will show that he's had to. He's had to force more shots than, than he's comfortable normally taking. Um, so yeah, I think we've I think we'll get through game three tomorrow, and, and obviously uh, do another pot after that, and and then it will likely be three zero, and we're looking <laughs> looking at a game game four as the as the potential uh, be all and end all. Um, I will just give a quick shout out to Spo who was asked a question about uh, you know the world thinks that uh, they're on their last legs and blah blah, and his response was we don't give a shit what anyone thinks. <laughs> <laughs> you can see after he said it that he sort of thought, oh, maybe I shouldn't have, shouldn't have said shit, but you know, it, was, 
that's that just that's that Miami Heat culture, and I love it. You know, even even now they're they're not rolling over, um, and that's one thing that I think they will continue to show through this series is they're not going to roll over, but they're just outmatched. You know, it's 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 probably the, the simplest way to 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 write this this series so far in, in you know a sentence or two <laughs> is that they were outmatched, but they didn't give up. You know, <laughs> full stop. Yeah. Um, anything else before we wrap up from uh, from your end? Uh, just a quick one for you. I don't know if you saw it or not or listened to it, but uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant did their first podcast. I think it was Kevin Durant launching his podcast and had Kyrie as a guest and uh, quote come out from that saying that uh, this is the first time he's played with someone um, that he can look at and think they can make the same shots as he can, referring to clutch moments. Um, and a lot of people have drawn the conclusion that yeah, that's in reference to LeBron. Um, what do you make of that? Yeah, it's Kyrie's starting to become that guy who has these headlines now, isn't he? Um, I haven't I haven't listened to the pod, but I did say that, and I also saw that he mentioned something about we don't need a coach or we don't have a coach, we don't need a coach, uh, which also got a bit of uh, you know a bit of we, we don't need someone to tell us what to do. Like you know, it, I, I it's funny I. I kind of feel like he's t- he's turned into Rondo at the Celtics that I didn't like. <laughs> he's got that more about me, 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 you know, I'm great, blah, blah. Um, whereas I wonder if over time he will, like Rondo, um, realise sort of his place. Um, I just don't think those comments are necessary. I, I know that he's trying to give his, his new teammate confidence and keep things afloat, and but... To me, that you, you just don't need to say that, um, and I don't care what his response is. It is a shot at LeBron, whether whether he meant it or not. You can't interpret it any other way, um, and he wouldn't have a championship if it wasn't for LeBron. So, and then yeah, he went to Boston, and things weren't good there. And he started. It seemed like he started to realize, you know, he wanted to get away. He wanted to have his own team. He wanted to be the man. He gets away. He has his own team. He's technically the man, although things were terrible in Boston. And then it was kind of like he came out and was like, "Oh, now I know, you know how important it is to, to have a like someone like LeBron on your team." And now it's like flipping back again to, "Well, I'll now take another shot at him." So I don't know. I, I, I didn't, as I said, I didn't hear it, so I don't quite know the context. But from what you read, <laughs> it doesn't sound good. No, no jealousy. Uh... Jealousy is a curse, unfortunately. Um, and I think Kyrie is the type of is the type of kid that he's gotten very much in front of himself. You know, um, he got to go to three NBA Finals and won a championship, and obviously hit that huge shot in Game Seven. And that's given him this sense of self that he is better than what he is. Now we. No one's questioning his basketball talent um, and his, his skills. He's arguably the greatest dribbler the NBA's ever seen. Tremendous offensive player. Um, can't, can't guard anyone on the defensive end, but um, tremendous on the offensive side of things. And I think he just thinks he is so much more than what he actually is. Kyrie, before LeBron got there, was someone who had never made the playoffs. Then afterwards, he's a guy that turned a Boston team that went to the Eastern Conference Finals into a team that got bounced in the second round. Um, And then the Boston Celtics got better without him. Went to Brooklyn, again, a team that 
numbers-wise, was a better team when he wasn't playing. Um, and as you said, started to think, oh, yeah, I realised what I had in a guy like LeBron, and a leader like LeBron, and now I feel like now he's got Kevin Durant in his back pocket, that he's all big and tough again and thinks, okay, now I'll start uh, saying these things and all that. So, you know, they're putting the pressure on themselves for, for next season um, to see if they can perform, but um, you're right, he... He he thinks he's all this and a bit because he hit that shot in Game 7, but he's nowhere close to that position without a guy like LeBron. So to be taking shots, he just needs to understand his place, that you know, you, you're, you've done nothing without him, so don't be taking shots that you're so much more than him because you've only got a name for yourself because you're on a team with him. Exactly. If someone said to me, um, you know, Here's a note, paper and a pen. Can you write down sort of the 50 players you'd like to play with? Any player in the league you'd like to play with? I'm not even sure Kyrie would be in my 50 because he just seems to be drama. Yes. <laughs> and we've spoken about, you know, um, like wanting to be part of the heat. We've spoken about, you know, wanting to play with guys like Kyle Lowry and, and you know, these sorts, of, these sorts of leaders. And then they lead by example in what they do. And then the flip side, you've got a guy who... As we said, take take away LeBron going back to Cleveland, is probably a great stats on a bad team player. That's pretty much what he is. Um, talking the talk, it's almost like a Paul George situation, isn't it? It is. It's very similar. Uh, you're putting that target on your back, and we know how that how that went for Paul George. There's even rumours out there now that LA Clippers are going to try and move him. So <laughs> it's wow. yeah. Now that they've got rid of Doc, it's you know that's the next sort of next thing that's that's out there. So. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather Kyrie shut up, come back next year, show us, and then I don't care what you say. But but don't go talking it first, um, because it doesn't end well, you know. No, that's <laughs> right. And that's right. They should take the Clippers as a cautionary tale. Don't get ahead of yourself, because they're built very similar with two guys that have never been leaders and have never been the ones that have had to build the culture. Um, no one's questioning their talent as basketball players, but we know it, talent alone will not get it done. You need to have leaders in your locker room. So they should look at the Clippers and just sort of step back until they've actually done something before they start talking. Yeah, completely agree. That's um, it's, it's funny, those sorts of headlines come out left, right and centre when, when Kyrie says something now, and they seem to be happening quite frequently. So I do worry for him that he's heading down the, the Paul George path <laughs> of getting those headlines and not then backing it up. So Again, you're just putting a target on yourself, and you don't want that coming into year one of, of a whole new dynamic. Um, I just think that's, that's not smart to, to draw attention. In fact, you want to be deferring it. You don't want any attention. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to fly below the radar than, than to have all that attention on you. Um, another thing that I thought I'd, I'd just touch on before we, uh, before we finish up is I, I read that Jeremy Grant has opted out of his uh, last year deal um, and he plans on and Denver plan on figuring something out um, in, the, in the 14 to 16 mil a year range, um, which is pretty much spot on what we were saying when we thought about what his value is around the league um, and it was funny there was I can't remember who the um, who the tweet was from I don't think it was Woj but it was somebody else and they spoke about sort of the other teams that will have interest and 
none of the other teams, if I were him, I'd be considering over Denver. Like, it was like Detroit, Atlanta, um, you know, maybe Charlotte or something. Like, I wouldn't, if I was him, no. I wouldn't be going anywhere near them. What was, his, um, gonna... what was his last year of his contract out of interest? Uh, 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 Money-wise? Yeah, yeah. Uh, nine. Nine mil. Yeah. Yeah, so it's a no-brainer to opt out of that from a business perspective. Um, so from a, from Denver's point of view, um, I wouldn't take that as a sign that he wants to jump ship. Um, it's just a no-brainer. He's worth so much more than that after the, the performance he put on in the bubble. Um, and yeah, he deserves, exactly. He, he deserves to get paid. You should get paid for what you do on the floor and, and the results that you do, not the results that you think you've done. Exactly, yeah. And he, he's another guy who's sort of... Um you wouldn't expect to be getting, you know, 14 to 16 mil a year. Um, but after this playoffs, it's like, wow, that's that's reasonable, you know, for him. Like, yeah, I'd probably even consider a little bit more if I had to. Like, yeah. um, so you guys, you guys sort of see him going to one of those other teams if they go way overs and start paying like 20 plus, and then you're like, oh, look, we just, you know, we can't afford to be playing a guy, paying a guy like that 20 plus. You know, when we've got um, uh, Jamal and and Jokic and other guys that we want to keep around as well um, to be spending that much on, on, you know, Jeremy Grant. And the funny thing is that. That seems to happen in the NBA, so it wouldn't surprise me if one of these other teams did jump in and go, oh, we'll give you, you know, a three-year, $60 million deal or something, and all of a sudden he's, you know, playing yeah. for Atlanta or... Yeah, I hate to say it, but it's a typical Michael Jordan move, so I could see yeah. him in Charlotte. That's right. It, it just... He's, he's good because he's in a system and he's playing behind guys like Murray and Jokic, so he doesn't get the attention. And you can see yep. why bottom sides want to try to attract talent in, so they pay overs, but he's not going to be as effective being the number two or the number one guy. It's, it, it's like what happened with Dallas and Harrison Barnes. Like He looked a lot better because he's playing behind guys like Steph and Clay. They're not some guys just aren't meant to be the number one or the number two guy. So you've got to be able to see that rather than just trying to bring talent in, and that's hard for these smaller markets. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Charlotte did the same thing with um, Lance Stevenson when he left Indiana and they bought him in on some big deal. And it was like <laughs> he was only good at Indiana because he was in a system that allowed him to to be decent. Like he can't. He's not. A, he's not a number one guy that you build around. Um, yes. And although I think Terry Rozier for them had a pretty good year, similar sort of guy at Boston was was good, and then he becomes the number one, and they don't even make the playoffs. Like they're not even close to the playoffs. So there's certain guys that you just don't want to pay over for. That's not worth it. You're better off going through the draft and trying to you know snag someone that way. Yes. Um, and I think Jeremy Grant's one of those guys that can definitely be a great fit in a great system, but try and build around him. He's not that player. No. Um, anything else before we wrap up? No, I think that's covered everything. Excellent. All right. Well, uh, we will regroup uh, tomorrow night after the uh, the game tomorrow. Um, yes. And probably be talking about a 3-0 uh, lead for the Lakers, but um, hopefully it's you know, it's a decent game anyway. That's it. Fingers crossed it's another 30-point 30, 30 blowout. <laughs> I'd, I'd be taking your side more more than, than mine at the moment with the way that things are going, if that, were, if that were the case. So we'll see. All right, thanks to those who've listened, and uh, I'll talk to you tomorrow, Buckets. All right, see you, mate.